Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Okay, hi everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Sarah and Mirna, and I'll let them say hi. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Mirna. You've heard me before, I think. Yep. Okay, um, hi everyone. I am Sarah Hernandez. I am 22 years old. I live in San Diego, California. And you're from my hometown. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, so I guess that here's like a fun fact, I guess you could say. Um, so when it comes to like series and all that stuff, I don't tend to usually go that much towards romance. Just and it's not because I don't want to. It's just uh, I find myself like mostly about like action stuff, like action over romance, sci-fi, horror. And I would say that with Midnight Popular, it's like the very um first like romance series that I'm like really really into it's like when Twilight came out like way back long time ago and how everyone was so obsessed with it that's like me right now with MPO <laughs> it's a good series to be obsessed over mm-hmm. <laughs> yep Okay, what kind of, um, I guess, entertainment do you usually go for? Um, I usually go for comedy. Comedy is very important to me. Like, being able to laugh is very important to me. So comedy, romantic comedy, any kind of comedy, really. But I do like the romance. I'm kind of a big softie at heart. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I've been, I've been trying to branch out lately. My husband told me that I should branch out. So we're watching Flower of Evil on Vicky right now, which is a little bit more like thriller, melodrama. So... <sighs> we'll yeah. see but I still am going to stick to my to my first love though when it especially when it comes to comics but I like what I like about MPL is that it is a little bit grittier so it's it's path of stuff I like but there is like a darker side to it yep well I guess I have the same thing I also do when I want when I watch at least um I do definitely comedy and uh, romance chick flicks and slapstick comedy like literally the most predictable, obvious, see it from a mile away kind of, you know, chick flicks, romance comedies. But I use that as my like downtime to relax um, because I do tend to yeah. think a lot about serious things and um, my life tends to be stressful, I think. So <laughs> I use that as yeah. my release. I, you know, I hear that people with anxiety, which I have anxiety, uh, it's uh, pretty bad, especially like with the full pandemic going on, do tend to like, like rewatch the same series over and over, or they're going to go for series that are similar to stuff that they like, that they like, that there's a predictable outcome because they have a lot of, there's a lot of security in knowing what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, like, I, I was like, Oh, I feel like a little called out right here. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, right. It definitely, I think that, that there is a comfort in knowing like what's going to happen, you know? Right. So I don't, I don't have anxiety. I think uh, I've been anxious like only a couple times in my life. And when I, when I did experience that, I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Like I, I finally understood what my friends who are anxious, what they experience. And I, I just was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. I, I'm spared from that. But like, for me, I just want a happy ending, you know, because there's so much tragedy in life. Yeah. And you know, so many things that we, yeah, like sometimes you put in tons of effort and then nothing good comes out of it. And then you feel hopeless and lost. And like, so I want something with a happy ending. Exactly. Exactly. There's enough bad things going out in the world. I don't need, I don't need an ending that's going to tear me apart. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, uh, that that what was that one oh, that one drama I watched on that uh, Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart Rio. Oh, don't watch that if you want to have the ending. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for actually warning us. Yeah, I'll tear you apart for like months. <laughs> so. Yeah, so one, one assurance we have with Midnight Poppyland is we know it's in the romance category, and that means it's going to have a happy ending. It's not going to be a tragedy like Romeo and Juliet, where they both end up dying, or some other horrible thing like that. It's going to be a happy ending. <sighs> yeah, but, you know, she might drag us over the coals to get there. 
we might we might show up at the happy ending battered and bruised but you know know, it's interesting actually uh, thinking about it you know with compared to like the other big fandom that i was into when i was younger harry potter you know there's a lot of tragedy along the way a lot of main characters are are killed and i don't expect that here in midnight poppy land for some reason what do you guys think do you think this is kind of thing where like someone like gayu or quincy will get killed oh gosh i hope not no i honestly (laughs) don't see that happening but i mean i i like just because I feel that way, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but I hope it doesn't happen. It's a very wise point, Sarah, I have to say. I, I think that's very wise of you to realize that your feelings <laughs> may not predict reality. <laughs> no. I know, because, like, yeah, I don't. Oh, anytime, like, I'm like reading a series and, and I'm like, nah, I don't see this character dying. Nah, they're, it, they're like way too important stuff, but my feelings betray me. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I hope not. There's definitely a possibility. I mean, it's about the mafia and people die in the mafia, but I'm I'm just going to hold out and say I hope not. You know. So, but I can't really tell you. I don't know where Lily's mindset is on that. So, we'll see. Yep. I mean, honestly, like to be realistic, probably like you said, it is the mafia. Somebody should die, but <sighs> Yeah. Well, maybe not die, but they might get really hurt okay. too. Like if somebody doesn't outright die, there is the, the chance of being maimed. Okay. You know? I'm fine with that. I can accept that. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. And we actually, um, you know, we started out. Tora has is outside of her apartment. They've just had this. This is the end of like the balcony holding scene scenes, which have been amazing and wonderful. And you know, here he has his bedump, and he's remembering wrongly that poppy told him you're so sweet and handsome thank you and i love this <laughs> wishes that that's what she had said yeah this is yeah. Uh, this is what is it uh it's like that he's being extremely hopeful on that one he's adorable he, he got the sweet part she did say thank you you know you're kind and considerate the handsome part he did she didn't say at this moment she she has mentioned he's handsome a couple times but i love it because it shows that he cares about her opinion and that he wants her to find him attractive and you know we know that women all over throw themselves at him and find him gorgeous so but he doesn't care about those women he just gives them fred and frank's you know friend i can't have such a hard time pronouncing it friend frank and Fran's number but her he actually cares if he finds him handsome right yeah he's uh, (laughs) a like you can tell like it like even like the little things that she does affects him and it's probably because she didn't like if she isn't treating him like he's handsome like oh you're so handsome it's just like no it's just like a fact like well you're handsome you know right if anything like that's something that makes her even more nervous around him that what she tells him right (laughs) so cute i love it (laughs) and then he remembers back that right before i left she told me you know she's sitting there on the bed with her adorable bedhead and she says uh i have something to confess and she you know she has this like embarrassment on her face she says that she turned her webcam on before getting in bed and her friends been keeping an eye on us. I told them to call up my landlady living on the first floor if anything happens. But it's also hilarious that the landlady is like this little old lady living on the first floor. How fast is she going to get there and what can she do already? But whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just like, um, if I can remember, like their faces though in this scene are freaking hilarious. <laughs> Yes, he has this, it's called Titan, and <laughs> he has this, like, uh, gosh, how do I describe it? An unsettled, like, a little bit annoyed and scared at the same time. She says, it's a blank screen, but the webcam's program been running in the background, ha, ha, ha. And, um, you know, this, so that's showing, you know, like, she's, it's not what I would do to keep myself safe, honestly. Like, it's, it's not completely safe, in my opinion, but it's something. You know, she shows that she's not completely naive. Yeah, they, I, I don't I don't know that it was it would be something that I would do. I don't think that I'd ever like have somebody over that I didn't know very well at my house, but I mean, it is showing that like, you know, she's not she's not dumb, you know. She knows that having a random guy to your place isn't like the safest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she she tells him she's like, "I'm not saying you'll attack me, but I wanted to play it safe. Plus you did take a pervy picture of me." And he's like, that's real clever of you, Bobby. I told you it was an accident. You know, they had those little veins popping out there. It's like the angry. And of course, he pulls her cheek. This is like the second time he's done that. And it's so cute that he does that. 
<laughs> and she's I like, like, no, that. man, I mean, I'm I, sorry, I, go ahead. I, I know, it's okay. It's, I think I, I read, a, like, a lot of, like, manga and watch a lot of anime, and it reminds me of, like, stuff that they do and, like, that kind of stuff, like, where they're pulling at their cheeks, and it's very, it's very cute and, like, very, uh, like, reminiscent of, you know, what you'd see in, like, an anime to me. Yeah, and I think, you know, he does that because, like, it's kind of like making her out to be a child when he's like, that's real clever of you, Bobby. You know, he's, like, pinching her. She's like, oh, I'm my child, I'm so proud of you kind of thing. Yeah. I'm kind of proud of you plus, like, angry at her at the same time. And then he thinks to himself, thank F, I didn't do anything stupid. <laughs> Which makes me wonder what, <laughs> what would he have, what would he have had had done? Yeah, Tora, yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> I had a feeling he was tempted to kiss her or something. Something was on his mind because otherwise he wouldn't have to even think this. Right. Which is nice to know that he likes her. As Well, we already know that, but it's nice to get some confirmation. <laughs> and she's like, I'm taking back what I said. What is she taking back? I'm, I don't get what she means by that. Uh, oh, I know. I probably, I'm taking back what I said about him being nice. Yeah, probably about him being, you know, nice and considerate and stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that she probably like uh regretted uh, her confession of like having somebody watching them. Uh, oh, that's a good point. You know, maybe she's <laughs> like, maybe I shouldn't have told you after all. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so now he's thinking, thinking, but I wonder just who the hell is this friend who was watching us? She said them. Does that mean a guy, Jacob, again? Which, by the way, oh, she, because he's assuming that she says them because maybe she wants to, like, hide the fact that it's a guy from him because he's thinking, he's thinking, she's thinking that he's already, like, jealous and possessive. Hmm. And, of course, he frowns. He's like, yeah, that punk's dead. He's hilarious. He's so, yes, he is possessive and, and jealous and he of somebody he hasn't met. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's like he doesn't even know Jacob yet, and he's like already like jealous of him. I mean, like I feel like you know when you like somebody, <clears throat> it's definitely possible to get jealous of people that are closer to them than you are. You know, maybe that's what he's thinking. Like, and you know, and <clears throat> at least in Asia, from what I've seen, uh, uh, like I've not that I've seen much. It's like it's even more taboo there for. Like, it's a little bit more, like, iffy for guys and girls to be friends, you know? Mm. Interesting. So okay. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what, you know, he was going on. He's like, oh, you know, some guy, you know, maybe he, maybe he likes her too, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I like how he, you know, I don't know how aware he is of his feelings for Poppy, but this is, like, so clear to us that he's, he's feeling possessive of, of her in that romantic way. Right. And then he looks at the, the item he's placed in the tree and you see, it looks like I didn't notice it. It took me a while to understand what it was, but basically it's this box and he tell, and um, now we flash back to him receiving a bag from Gaio and Gaio says, okay, boss, I know you're not on talking terms of technology, but this is the most high tech, but idiot proof one on the black market. And, <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, which is just gives us a sign, you know, he's, he's looking at him with this like skeptical expression with the little sweat marks on him, which just shows you that like Tora is not very savvy with tech. He's like, no camera, just like you requested, just a motion sensor that sets off an alarm on your phone. And please stop hurling your gadgets against the wall. I know you're loaded, but this shit isn't easy to come by. Now, if you excuse me, I got to get back to cleanup duty. Yeah, I, I love how he, he just called him an idiot and like <laughs> got away with it. Yeah, basically, like in a way, like he 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 just kind of snuck that in there. Oh, it's idiot proof, so even you can use it. <laughs> Which is it's very sweet. Yeah, it's, it, they have that kind of relationship, and also we find out that Tora um, apparently can control himself when he gets frustrated with technology, and he just smashes them against the wall. Very very mature of you, Tora. <laughs> I have an eight year old, and even my eight year old doesn't do that. I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like, I, like, was thinking about it, and I, I, you know, like, how, like, when you get, like, frustrated, like, sometimes you do want to, like, throw something, Tori just goes out and does it, he's like, nah, whatever, his replaceable toss. <laughs> yep, also, I think, you know, uh, he has to be so controlled in other areas of his life, it's possible that he just has a low threshold for frustration in other areas of his life, because he's 
so bottled up and controlled in other areas that when he is frustrated in a, in a place where he could have a release, he just lets himself have it because he's so he just can't handle being patient and bottled up again. Yeah. And I mean, again, like this guy has probably never been to therapy, so he doesn't know how to like work through his anger, you know, in a constructive way. So as far as being angry goes, smashing your cell phone is probably not the worst, especially if you can buy it, but still like it definitely shows that he's like lived a very violent life and he hasn't really like ever gotten any sort of like mental help in that situation, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's have a family member who um, went through, you know, it, okay. This is, it's going to be kind of interesting. So this family member is um, he went through some tough things in his life and he is a very, very angry person and definitely He's the, the guy who we, we all joke, like he throws chairs. I mean, this is not a joke, but he, I think he's a little bit better now. But when he was in his 30s, even, he, he would throw chairs and throw like whatever was around him. He would just pick it up and throw it at the wall. And I happen to dislike this family member a lot, quite a lot, because I think he has a lot of issues. But one day I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, my God, he reminds me of Torah. You know, they both had a dysfunctional life. They both can't. Um, can't handle their anger and they both really are very loyal to the people that they love and they do love people they just have a hard time showing it but i was like oh my god i really don't want to think about this more because i really dislike this family member and I don't <laughs> want to yeah i, I, I don't I, want you associated with my torah yeah you know i feel like torah this family member is already you know um in like 50 or so so i feel like at this point they should have they should be better at this point in their life you know um and torah is still young so i, I still give him a pass and he still has time and you know now this whole story is I think about him him turning around and, and improving himself. So I'm going to give Torah a pass and I don't feel like giving my 50 year old family member a pass. <laughs> yeah. Well, your 50 year old family member probably didn't grow up in the mafia and knows that yeah. mental health is available to them. If Torah wanted to go and get mental health, that would put any psychiatrist at risk, you know, knowing the inner workings of the mafia. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I never watched there is that there is a movie right about psychiatrists and the mafia. Um, it's very famous, but I forgot what it's called. So I never yeah, watched it, but I, I, have to look at, I have to look that up. Yeah, it's from like the 90s. And it has like super famous people in it. And I just totally forgot. The phrase, the, the title is like some kind of psychology phrase. Um, and there's a couple of them. Anyway, well, remember it later. But I haven't watched it. I just saw some scenes when I was a kid. So anywho, um, one thing I also like is that guy who was, you know, he, he has this apron on. He's clearly in, in the middle of work. And I like how he's so loyal and devoted to, to Torah that he, is, he does things for him even while he's working. Also that Torah kind of expects people to just do things for him at a moment's bidding. You know, guy is kind of like his lackey in a way. Um, so he just, you know, does things for him whenever he wants. It's, um, you know, it's a little bit like Torah does have a little bit of a stronghold on him. And, you know, it's... A little bit of a, you know, he has like the, he has the upper hand in the relationship. Um, um, he's kind of like, I feel like that, like, um, that he's like the senior, like he's a uh, guy who's senior, you know, like when he, when maybe not like a boss, but like somebody like close to a boss, you know, like a, like a manager almost because like it's said in an earlier episode or it's implied, I guess that like he is also in the mafia that guy you is uh but he's just like a lower um a lower ranking member and um in asia the senior um you know does have a little bit of an upper hand like if you were like if you were in high school like a like a, a freshman in high school is going to do with what like a junior in high school is going to tell them to be like hey you know you need to clean this up or something like that you know so they're they're going to defer to them more often because you know they have a senior right. junior relationship. Yeah, I'm very curious how Gaio got into the mafia because he seems like the sweetest pawn on planet Earth. <laughs> like I don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, that I, hmm, I like. So I grew up in Southern California, um, like San Diego specifically, but I ha actually have like my parents grew up in East LA. And uh, we were in LA a lot. And uh, unfortunately, one of the things that we have to deal with a lot, like where I grew up and then, you know, where my parents grew up is gangs. And um, sometimes like people, like, like really sweet people join gang just because like that there's really nothing else going for them at the time. 
um, you know, and like these people, th- these gang members aren't necessarily all bad, all bloody all the time, you know, like they'll do stuff like th- a lot of them originated from uh, being like protective. Like if you're in a bad, if you're in a bad neighborhood, these gangs came out, like came out as being like a kind of like protective squad against, you know, people trying to hurt the people. So they were like, they were almost seen as like protectors. So that's mm-hmm. how they get a lot of kids to join is that, you know, they grew up with these guys being like kind of like the idols on the block, you know, because they were, they would protect the families on this block, you know, obviously human nature gets some power and it goes bad, but, um, so that's, I can see like if guy you grew up like around like Airy street or anything like that, maybe he, um, you know, he saw the mob as kind of like, like a protectorate and ended up joining like being a low lower ranking member and just like ended up maybe he like was exposed to like the bad side like later you don't see the bad side until like you're really in it you know right or we know that there have been families who have served the Baltimans for generations so maybe he's one of those families <clears throat> that's yeah that's also a definite possibility <laughs> yeah I have a feeling we'll find out more about Guy later especially given some information that he reveals right <laughs> Okay, so now we're back to uh, the present, and Tora, you know, Tora has uh, said that punk's dead, and then he looks at the motion sensor with a glare, and he says, as dead as you are if you don't work like you're supposed to, <laughs> and the motion sensor is sweating. <laughs> oh, how much he cares for Poppy to the fact that he even threatens, like, technology. That's part that is the technology is actually scared of him. Like, <laughs> I saw what you did to your cell phone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my god yes i can see a really cute um like animated cartoon where like the technology is talking to each other but <laughs> you know passing out the fear passing down the fear of torah <laughs> so anyway now we head to poppy and poppy is at work and she's sending an email to gingerbeardman0106 at jmail.com and the subject is game footage and something for gina and it's really adorable she loves his email address it's, she's sending it to the cabbie and um, she sends him a one-for-one feeling new tart special. <laughs> Which is so cute. You know, it's such a poppy thing to, to something that's so cutesy and caring. You know, she she fulfilled her promise, but she's also doing something extra because she remembered what he said and she's thoughtful and she's helping helping the wife out. Right. I, I thought that was so cute. Like, you know, it's, and definitely on character for Poppy. Like, she definitely cares, you know, and you can see her putting care into things. And, you know, her, I mean, she filled up for, fulfilled her promise, but her doing something cute for his wife that he kept talking about, you know, like she definitely thought him talking about his wife was adorable. So that's just so on brand for her, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we flash back to, um, you know, him telling the cabbie, telling Poppy the email address. And she's thinking to herself, you know, get you a man who adores his wife like Mr. Gina does. She definitely does admire that. Then we hear a crash and Jacob has just rushed into the office and he says, oh my gosh, Pops, just who was that at your apartment last night? And he's just like, you know, there's those lines coming over to him. She's like, good morning to you too. And she's blushing and looking at her computer and she's like, I told you, he's just a friend I owe a favor to. And Jacob's like, uh, my friend, I thought you meant a human friend not a freaking greek god (laughs) (laughs) hating for more olympism proofs i think this is my favorite panel in this entire like in this entire episode is just that you see like tora looking all super gorgeous and like like model like and stuff like that in front and in the back you see poppy like yeah here i am guys you know and jacob's like spitting out whatever he was drinking when he looks at it (laughs) and it says look greek god that's funny yes this is a uh, league god has definitely been a phrase that has echoed in my mind now yes. <laughs> and she's like poppy's blushing and she's in denial again this is her her thing right she she likes to deny any kind of romantic relationship between them or any kinds of attraction feelings between them which makes sense given that she you know just heard about like her boyfriend cheating on her she said i guess he's kind of cute but he's not really my type and i'm most certainly not his quincy disapproves <laughs> uh he does he mm-hmm. disagrees i mean yeah i definitely <laughs> i mean so like i have a friend who's like really big uh he's six seven you know he's a former nfl player he's like a huge dude and one time that we uh we were all hanging out 
And uh, one of the other guys was joking with him that he was like so tall because, you know, he's six, seven, that he can date like some of these taller women, you know, and I was laughing and I was like, are you kidding me? Guys like him, that, that his size, they don't like, you know, tall girls. They like girls that they can like fit in their pocket. They're like tiny little things. And, and I have to say, like reading Midnight Poppy Land, like confirms my, my hypothesis, you know, these huge dudes want like these like teeny tiny little hamster girlfriends, you know? <laughs> Wait, so who is this guy with? Did he that is he with a girl, tiny girl in the end? Um, he he's he's single currently. He's going through a whole bunch of like training and stuff, but so he doesn't really have time to date. But he actually laughed when I said that and was like, "She's right." <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. I was vind- I was vindicated. <laughs> nice. But you know, even Jacob sees through her her facade. He's like, "Yeah, try saying that again, but this time without blushing." And Poppy now she's blushing all over her face, and she's like, "He really isn't. I just have very active red blood cells in my face, okay?" And then she's like, "Go away. I need to prepare this document for a meeting." Oh my god! And Jacob is like, "Just, just keeps keeps pushing." Damn! And here I thought you were finally getting laid, and with the beast of a man, no less. <laughs> oh my god! I so I like realized like what is it with first you had uh or dean like way in the beginning like um oh there's something wrong with with not getting laid the rest of your life and now you have jacob like mentioning uh oh i thought you were getting laid it's like do these two i desperately want poppy to like get laid already yep that's their job (laughs) as they're responsible for her romantic life yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, come on. Like, if anybody who's, like, had a good experience is going to want somebody to, like, also experience something good like that, right? True, That's yeah. True. I bet you they have, like, daily meetings, you know, how to get Poppy, like, how to get Poppy a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and Poppy is just completely freaking out here. She's Now she's, like, really red in the face. She's yelling, oh, my God, Jacob is not like that at all! <laughs> and he pops his head over. He's like, what's with the ruckus? You guys ready? And then he tells them, thanks for coming on a Saturday. So they're having a meeting. And Bobby asked him, when do you get back? He said, next week. He said, yesterday evening. I managed to get an early flight back. It's my 15th wedding anniversary, and it completely slipped my mind. And you can imagine my wife wasn't too happy about it, too. So we learned a couple of things. You know, we learned that he is a little obsessed with work because he forgot about his anniversary. He's been married for 15 years, and he has a wife. And um, what else did you guys gain from, like, this bit of information? That he's this very stereotypical dude and forgets things that are important. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I would be. I would. I would, I'm with his wife on this one. I would also be ticked. But you know, sometimes work gets in the gets in the way of these things. Like, but at the same time, doesn't mean you have to be happy about it, right? Yeah, I don't. My husband has ADD, and he he can't remember. He like he took him like five years to remember his own phone number. So I don't even bother with the hints. I'm like, yo, well, I'm turning thirty. I want a birthday party. This is who you should invite. This is what you should do it's next week. And I give him like daily reminders. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I'm, I don't go with the subtlety anymore. But Poppy's like, oh, hopefully you'll have a nice romantic dinner with her. And then they ask, how was the trip? And here Gil looks really worried. He says that he didn't send any of the deals he was hoping to. The market's too saturated at this point. Competition is insane. Jacob looks like we'll have to crunch numbers, come up with better offers. So he looks worried. And, you know, their company is not in a good state. So this is something that we, we come back to later on as an understanding, you know, Gil and his possible motivations. Yeah. He, I mean, like, he can definitely, like, tell like see the like she did a really good job of drawing his worried face I think uh in this panel like you know you can really like see like like it's kind of grating on him yeah especially I would imagine when when you have your own company and you have not just your life at stake but the lives of your employees lives of your employees I mean he's been married for 15 years so I mean it's a not you know it's his wife possibly any kids they might have you know like there's a lot of burden you know running your own company like that like you know you're you're responsible for so many people's lives Mm -hmm. so he's happy to hear that poppy has good news that mr lamb is considering offering them twice the investments that they asked for and poppy's really excited she says yep i'm I'm meeting him today and waiting for a confirmation and then her phone rings 
And she says, Mr. Lamb wants to have our meeting now. Uh, from, sorry, from Buzz, sorry. I'll make my way down to see him now. And Gil says, sure, we'll do whatever you need to do to clinch this deal. And then he tells her, he says, oh, I took these reports from your table. Urgent request from the board, so I helped myself to them. Sorry about that. And now she says, not a problem. Good thing I got them sorted before leaving the office yesterday. And these lines have been subject to much speculation. And I'll let you guys go right into it. Um, well, I, we know from past panels that the notebook was at least at one point on her desk. I don't know if she put it back in her bag, but, you know, if he's like sitting there looking over her desk, he might have seen it. Yep. So, right. And we don't, you know, we had like, we, you know, we talked about the monkey backpack on the rooftop. Maybe it's in there. The fact that Poppy says, I sorted it out. Does that mean that she did take the notebook from them? Did she not take the notebook? We don't know. But there is something, you know, Gil was definitely messing around on her desk. That much we know. Man, there's so, so many, there's so many like, thought, like theories, I guess, on like, what happened with that notebook and who has it? There's like a lot of possibilities. Right. And I will say, we, well, we're talking about from the vantage point of this episode because we are, we are some episodes later, but let's just, right, you know, giving, given the information we know now, what we're, we're speculating. Well, I mean, you know, like if, if she sorted through all those papers on her desk yesterday, she might have seen it. Mm hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, if she sorted through all those papers, she might have seen it. Um, she might not have known its importance and even left it there. Maybe, and then when he was looking around, maybe he saw it. Like anybody, if you just leave that kind of stuff on your desk, anybody could have. Like if you have nosy, uh, hmm. you know, office friends, like they could have looked around. You know, <laughs> like Jacob, is this from the Greek god? Let me see if Puppy is getting love letters. All <laughs> <laughs> right, you can so see them doing that so anyway she's going and jacob's like no guts no glory we're counting on you wonder girl it's really sweet you know jacob like encouraging her and then the fact that Gil calls her wonder girl it's nice you know it's affirming it's showing that there she's respected in her in her office yeah and also i mean erdine's not here so in this meeting she's the only girl and i mean there's been a lot of like studies done that like when there's only you know one woman in the meeting usually they get talked over a lot and the fact that, you know, like they're not only like they're acknowledging her and they're like, you know, saying that she's important. It's probably like a pretty huge thing, you know, in like the corporate world for, for instance, you know, and it's probably very affirming to her. That she yeah. works in like an area that like, you know, where they're not only like listening to her, they're affirming her. Right. And Poppy does have a lot of self-doubt. <laughs> and I think that she really is nervous about her role in, as a career woman. And she's really anxious about succeeding in that role. Right. So, you know, it's cute. Her response is like, I kept in, you know, she looks happy. And now you see her now in a restaurant with Mr. Lamb and she has a glorious outfit. Everyone loves her outfit, but you Such know, a blazer and, yeah, this orange pants or coral pants. She has her hair in a bun. She looks fantastic. I want her outfit. I want all of her outfits. You know, I'm not very into fashion, but if I was, I would like put together, you know, I would, I would go out and search for her outfits and like put together like a, you know, link, a link set of like all her, <laughs> where you can buy Poppy's outfits. But someone should do that. Not me, because I don't care about that much. But <laughs> Yep. So she tells him that this is the proposal she's come up with. Would you like a soft copy as well? I can email one to you. And she's like, no, this will do, which makes sense, by the way, because he's older. And I, I, I know that older people tend to like physical copies rather than email. Yeah, right. And she says, if you go through the comment section, I'll give you a quick overview. And then he stops her. He says, just a moment, Poppy. And he tells her, don't worry. I won't be running off with dodgy strangers this time. Which is very nice. <laughs> That's definitely a, a huge change from the last meeting that they had. Yes, he seems to be. He did interrupt her, but he is. he does seem to be listening. And he asked her, I'm curious to know, how did you know about the promise I made to my late wife? And then Poppy tells him that she did a lot of research and she did, she found this interview that he did that was different where he's talking about, you know, he says, to be honest, business has never been my cup of tea. This company uh, was passed down to him by his late wife. We never had children. Their parents are long gone. It's all in their hands. And you see Poppy, an image of Poppy sitting there in her, you know, in a tank top and shorts listening you know, to the interview. More than that, however, is the one thing that I promised my wife and I never got to fulfill. 
And she's sitting there eating a donut. She's wrecked. She's really attentive. And she's loving it. You know, she's like, oh, Mr. Lamb is such a faithful husband. I've never met him, but he's a good man. You know, she really likes him. And she, you can see she really respects that when people have love for each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think I also just really love, like, her little workstation there um, <laughs> with the plants and Wabby Moody when you can shake your booty. I love that. Yeah. Like, that is so cute and I wish I could get away with like having a workstation like that but <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that if I if I was just on the floor like that for hours I might die but <laughs> yeah I mean people are, are used to you know this is I guess a bit more of an Asian inspired country where I think they sit on the floor a lot more than than we do here right so she you know she's listening and he's saying she tells him now and this was the one thing that stood out to me the most and he says, I never thought anyone would find the obscure interview. And you must think I'm such a sentimental fool. People say that when a person is gone, they're gone. So why bother? Now, Poppy tells him very earnestly, she says, maybe they're right. But I relate to what you're feeling because my dad passed away six years ago. And, and now we flash back while she's still talking. She says, I've never forgotten him. I still think about him every single day. And there's this really stunning image of Poppy as a child and her father sitting in a tree. Poppy has this beautiful hat and dress on and a hat and a butterfly net. And um, it's clearly like a very nostalgic and poignant image of the two of them. I just like, is it, like I haven't lost any of my parents, thankfully, but just like it's such a sweet moment. And it's like, it's almost heartbreaking at the same time. Like you see this, like this, like brief, really sweet moment and like a bonding between her and her dad and knowing that he's gone. It's just, it must've been so traumatic for her. Right. So she, um, we know she's um, 20 now she's almost 21. So if it was six years ago, so she was like, um, what, 14? A little bit less than 14. Yeah. That's a, that's a young age. And then, you know, she tells him those were some, I mean, he says those were some very precious memories to you, I'm sure. Six years ago is not long. It must still be fresh in your mind. And then she says, and I like how you know we get some insight about her from this. She says, kind of, but also I think I numbed myself to it at the start, which is very typical of Poppy because she does a lot of you know pedicles and emotion stuffing, where she doesn't want to deal with, when something's too hard for her to deal with. She stuffs it down so that she doesn't have to think about it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people like that out in the world, but it's it's really like it's almost like. Uh, it reminds me of it's like a coping mechanism that re- almost reminds me of like when you're doing a test in school you know like how like if there's like a hard question you skip it and you come back to it later you know <laughs> so yeah true. like I, I think maybe at like 14 she wasn't you know mature enough to like really deal with it at the time you know but like she is she has gotten older and she's maturing more now maybe you know maybe that's something that might come up later you know as uh how is like her processing her her dad's passing yeah i'm curious right if she has if she already has processed it or if she's going to do it throughout the course of this cartoon right we'll talk about it more and then she tells us something that's interesting that tells us you know it gives us an understanding of her motivation for i think why she is so driven to succeed at her work she says there was always this underlying feeling of guilt and remorse and although i never made any promises to him i knew all the hope for was that i do something meaningful in my life however small a role it might be and there's this the panel of her, you know, she's looking very successful in terms of her attire, but her whole posture is kind of like small and she's withdrawn onto herself. You can tell she does feel a little bit like shrunk down to size here. You know, like a like maybe a little not so worthy. Right. Like she's not she's not sitting tall here. She was kind of she's a. it's almost like she's got she's got like a little bit of guilt maybe right now. Yeah, and she says that she was never very hardworking or driven. And she, you see a picture of her. She's sitting there in front of the TV, you know, her knees are drawn up to her chest, and her father's coming home, taking his shoes off, and he's like, Puppyland, homework, clean your room, take a bath. Which is like, yes, I know, I do this all the time. And she's like, just one more episode, they're almost about to kiss. And, you know, typical child. Actually, so this actually, um, when this episode, when this uh, came up, um, so I'm like really into watching K dramas and that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm actually learning a little bit of Korean. It's really, and there's a lot of um, borrowed words mm-hmm. in Korean that from English, they use, they use like English in a lot of their stuff, but a lot of the times they add like a, like a, 
you sounding to end to the end. So she's saying that they're almost about to kiss you. And it might it makes me think that maybe they're in Korea or she's Korean. Hmm. It makes me think that because because but at the same time you've got Torah, which is Japanese, you know, and he looks more like like a Yakuza type, you know what I mean? But uh her it's it's interesting that she said that because that is definitely like it's like a Korean borrowed word you know they Mm -hmm. add like that uh, and actually was watching Love Alarm and he literally said that uh, one one of the main characters said that he said kiss when he's asking to kiss the female lead oh you know so I was wondering I I was wondering if it's a typo but that does make sense and it's uh, okay that's cool but I know in terms of like Naren Lily has that it's um she likes to think of it as an international city with people from all over the world there and also that it's fiction you know but I mean you know, because Lily is from Asia, so it's probably, you know, there's a lot of Asian stuff there that is just kind of like the, the basics, you know, like stuff that we, you know, just like the, the undergirding world. But so that's cool. Yeah. And so maybe she's borrowing from like a little bit of like several different uh, Asian ethnicities, you know, like, you know, Japanese, Korean, maybe we'll see like more Vietnamese or, you know, Thai or Chinese, you know, a lot further down the line. Right. I'm not too familiar with Asian culture, so I, I have a feeling I'm, I would miss a lot of it. But I do notice like when things are like different than, let's say, American culture. But um, yeah, it's like, you know, sitting on the floor and like the chopsticks and the kind of food and a little bit just even stuff like the, the bath, the handles and the kitchen kind, you know. But, um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I grew up I grew up with like a lot of different Asian cultures. Um, I'm Mexican, but um, all of my close friends and like like my sister's close friends are all Asian. My sister's best friend growing up was Japanese. Like my best friend growing up uh, was Filipino. I there was like the guy I had a crush on down the street was uh, Vietnamese, <laughs> and you know so like I was, I was kind of like, I th- I was in a unique situation where like I was probably um, more exposed to Asian, different Asian culture than like even like my well I wouldn't say my own culture because I was definitely plenty exposed to like my own culture but you know, it's, it's probably like equal. I was equally exposed to Asian culture as I was Mexican culture growing up. Oh, that's a lot. Pretty cool. How about you, Sarah? Do you, you have much exposure to Asian cultures? Um, not really. Uh, well, I did have a, the school I went, the elementary school I went to, um, like mostly, um, it was either, um, uh, Mexican or it was a uh, Filipino people okay that's just about it yeah i went to an all jewish school so (laughs) an european jews descendant that was uh the milieu i grew up in so anywho um then she says you know then he passed away and you see this sad image of her father lying in a bed poppy looking at him and then looks like her grandmother next to her and then two other adults. We don't know who they are yet, but yeah, I, mm. I wonder if like if one of them, if like the man in the green greenish shirt with the tie, I wonder if that's like probably his brother, or if like the lady that's next to him, that's probably his sister, maybe um Poppy's aunt and uncle. Could be, yeah, something, some kind of family. I don't get the impression that she's the mom. You know, wait. No, definitely no. Not. like she, the the man is comforting. It seems like he's comforting her. So that makes me think that maybe like they're a couple, but she has like some sort of tie to um, Poppy's dad, like an aunt. You know, and she has lighter hair, and both um, Poppy and her dad, like they're they're not as light as as her, but both Poppy and her dad do have lighter hair. They're not, you know, it's not black or you know, dark brown, but it's like, it's like almost like a chestnut color. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that, that might not be his, like his sister, like, you know, Poppy's aunt, but I feel like if it was Poppy's mom, she'd be comforting Poppy, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Right. Her mom doesn't appear to be here. So, and now, now that couple left and now you have just, you know, the grandmother with her hand on, on Poppy's shoulder, which gives you an indication that the grandmother is the, is the caring figure. And then you have just Poppy. Mm-hmm. Which to me is also very symbolic of how Poppy has had to handle a lot of things alone in her life. You know, she does have some support because you see those people, but at the end of the day, she's alone dealing with her grief. Right. And she says it was late stage cancer. It happened very quickly. And then there's this picture of, you know, just of Poppy's dad on the pillow. And he's he's very much bathed in light, like, in, like a halo of light. And you, yeah, to me, I think it symbolizes like the angelic role that he played in her life, where he was this good 
protector and savior of herds. Yeah, just like he was definitely like probably like the brightest person in her life up until that point. Like that's what I that's what I interpreted as is like you know this like the light shining on him and it's definitely very angelic. But um, I don't know maybe like maybe that he was just like he was the most important. So you know that that he's bathed in light because he's uh you know he's the you know most important he was the most important he was like the biggest star in her life up until that point. Right. Yeah, and also this is her memory of him, right? So it could be that he's acquired more of that, you know, mystical glow after in death, you know, because when we when we're with people who are alive, you know, we see their flaws and their and their good points, and we we get frustrated. But then once they're they're dead, if we had a, a decent relationship with them, you know, we tend to forget the bad and just remember the good. That's that's true. That's a that's a good point. And then poor Poppy, you know, she has her hand on his forehead and she's like, "Wake up, Dad!" And she looks really miserable, and. You know, she's holding on to his hand and she's crying. Please wake up. Like, oh my God. Heartbreaking. That is yeah, it, such a sad, you know. And it's even more sad with uh, what we like see, like um, her saying, um, and the only thing I could think of was how he never got to see me graduate from school. Like, um, basically, like her dad, like, Never got to see like uh, all the accomplishments she has done since like she left since he left her at a young age to like where she is now. Like it's like really sad that he never got to see like her grow into like this like woman who has like all these who has done all these accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, living a fulfilling, meaningful life like you'd hoped for. So that shows you that Poppy's dad was a really healthy individual. You know, he really wanted his daughter to be on the right path. Like, he he provided a good inspiration for her. Despite the fact that he left early, you know, he really imprinted on her what a good life was about. So fulfilling and meaningful. And I think that really is a guiding star for Poppy. You know, as much as she um, has been alone for a lot of her life, she had a really good role model when she was younger. Right. Oh, and then, you know, we go back to the present. There's this beautiful, it transitions into this beautiful sky, which, you know, a sky a lot for a lot of people is a symbol of like, you know, heaven and where we symbolically, we always think of that people as being in, in heaven up in the sky. So, you know, she's like, maybe though, when you lose someone close to you, things start to change inside of you in such little ways, you never really notice it happening. On my college graduation day, as I stepped outside, I looked at the sky. I found myself thinking that dad would be proud of me. And, you know, you see Poppy, looking a bit, you know, I mean, it's pretty recent. And she has this diploma in her hand and she's looking up wistfully at the sky. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous image where she's, you know, she's alone, but she's hopeful and positive and, you know, kind of has this very tender look on her face. Oh. I think, you know, kind of almost like reminiscing about, you know, memories of her dad almost is what it like looks like to me. Like the, almost like that face you get when you are thinking about all the good times, you know? Yeah. And, you know, she says, I realized at that moment it wasn't too late for me because I know that he's still watching me somewhere out there. And yeah. And she tells me, I know that she's, it's not really for you either, but I just want to point out, and then, you know, a lot of people discuss this, like, as we, we discussed Poppy as a character, is that Poppy has had to be independent and resilient from a very young age. So although, you know, she hasn't had as rough a background as Torah, you know, Torah has been like actively beaten down and degraded and you know, with all these negative influences, she did have to survive a lot. And I think that that is something that connects the two of them. They've both been through suffering and they both don't have their parents. We, we haven't seen Poppy's mom yet. We'll learn a little bit more about her later, but it doesn't seem like her mom is around. And her dad left her at a pretty young age. So she's does have like, you know, she lacks that parental role and that, that you know, that really, that, like that security, you know, to, to have your parents both taken away from you at a young age really undergird, undermines her security. And I think she, so she might be able to understand Tora's, you know, rootlessness because of that. Right. I don't like, I also, hmm. For me, like, you know, like, you know how they say, like, you know, things, 
you know, all affect us differently. So just because, you know, she doesn't, hasn't had, had it as bad as Tori, doesn't mean like she hasn't really had it bad, but I do think that it would make it better if they were to start into a relationship that they both suffered and like, she can definitely empathize with him, you know, especially over the not having parents thing. Yeah. I think that it might be different because, you know, she at least had a loving parent for some of her life, whereas Tora never had that, which is why, you know, he has so many more issues, at least on the outside that, you know, than she does. But yeah, but they definitely can relate to that. So, and now, you know, she's using that experience now to tell Mr. Lamb that he can still, you know, connect with his wife and fulfill her wishes. And she's, she's very emotionally in tune because she's combining and, you know, I think that, I think she means it genuinely, you know, she's using Mr. Lamb's true, genuine, you know, wishes to, and she wants to help him. And she says that she wants to help with Mr. Lamb's final wish. I'll do everything I can. I know I'm just a fresh college graduate, but I'm not going to experience business connections. I'll make up for it with my energy and enthusiasm. And, you know, she's very emotionally wise and she knows how to get to Mr. Lamb. She does because Mr. Lamb is like mm-hmm. about to cry over here. And yeah, like I, you see, you see him, and like you can definitely tell, like he was touched, you know. Yeah, he's trembling, you know, and it looks like he's about to, to you know, tear up. And you know, then Poppy's like, Poppy regrets. She feels like she maybe went too far, and she says, "I'm sorry, that wasn't very business appropriate." But Mr. Lamb is like, after last night, I'll take an inappropriately timed symbol, any piece of any piece symbol of peace any day. Oh, it was the symbol of peace that he's referring to. Okay. And then, you know, he's like, excuse me for a moment. And he like, he wipes his eyes with a handkerchief and he has to step away. Like that's how emotional he is. And Poppy, you know, looks back at him and she tells him, let it all out, Mr. Lamb. Keeping all that grief inside you must not feel very good, which I like, you know, that's something that I think she'll also do with Torah. I mean, Torah hasn't even begun to even, maybe he has, but I don't think he really has um, to address the grief that he has and the anger that he has, because if he would, he would just explode. And I understand that, you know, my husband has right. <laughs> my husband had a very difficult upbringing. And I, I remember when we first got married, I kept telling him, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And he refused. He was not able to talk about it. He didn't want to. And he told me, he told me as a joke and he, he was aware that it was a joke, but he, it was hundred percent true. He said, whenever I have a bad emotion, I just stuff it down, I stuff it down. And I thought he was being funny. And then as I got to know him better, I was like, oh my God, you're right. That's what you do. And we've been married for 10 years. And let me tell you that stuffing down has come out in unhealthy ways. And um, it's been a lot to deal with for both me and him. Um, yeah. He kind of like, he's kind of working on it now. And he's better now than he was, you know, when I met him 10 years ago. But, you know, I, I can understand Toro when I see him because he, it was so overwhelming for him that he didn't even want to think about it because he was, he would have broken down. So he just decided it was better to push it away and never think about it. And uh, that's not healthy. And Tora does that as well. I feel like a lot of guys are like that though. Like, like, especially in our culture, it's not, you know, people, men who are like express their feelings and cry are kind of looked down upon, you know, and made fun of. So, um, you know, I think that a lot of them feel like they can't, you know, break down. And there's like, there's a lot of things that are, you know, challenging the norm now, you know, but I think that for a lot of guys, you know, growing up thinking like, oh, I can't display any sort of emotions or I'm weak, you know. Right. I don't know. It's it's like really damaging. I don't know if it was a cultural thing for him. I I think it was just, it wasn't safe for him to express his feelings the way he grew up. He wasn't, he wouldn't have gotten a good reaction. He would have just been, you know, beaten down more. So I think before it was the same and then I think, and then at some point, even when they, he got, you know, left his unsafe environment for both of them, I mean, Torres still is in an unsafe environment, but let's say for my husband, at that point, it was still emotionally overwhelming for him that to even address the, the grief and the anger and the shame and the, and the sadness was just emotionally overwhelming for him that he didn't even want to touch right. it. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And, but anyway, Mr. Lamb apparently is not... He has the ability to let it out. And you see, he is, you know, he's, he has his hands over his eyes and he's crying. Like his tears are actually dripping down his cheeks. And Poppy, you know, thinks to thinks. she says, you're never really alone, even if many times it feels like you are. And then she's looking out the window. Uh, it's this big, beautiful window in the restaurant. Again, it's very sunny, beautiful colors. And she says, she's thinking to her dad, she says, I'm sorry, dad. I know I wasn't the best daughter. And she has this also very like sentimental look on her face. And you see, um, she's looking up. 
Uh oh, what happened here? Okay, I think my oh here it is. Okay, sorry, my it's not loading some panels. Sorry, I'm missing. No, you're fine. And she says, I know it wasn't the best daughter. And you see her sitting on the branch with her father, and they're looking up at a butterfly. And <laughs> she looks so cute as a kid. I know it's like I see like I I wish I had like whatever clothes she had as a kid. I wish I could have had that. I know, right? She she's dressed so much better than I was as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up in the '90s, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, and so I want to talk a bit about the butterflies because there were there were some people that made comments about the butterflies and their significance. So I'm gonna quote, quote them. I looked on the Patreon, and. Um, Emily was saying that butterflies are a symbol of life after death, which I didn't know, but definitely they are a symbol, like Misty said, they're a symbol of metamorphosis. And Poppy mm-hmm. had to metamorphose after metamorphosis, uh, the verb, after her dad died. She had to transform and you know become something stronger and beautiful. And yeah, and then you know, we'll see the butterfly a little bit later. So the same butterfly, right, that she associates with her dad because they're catching butterflies, we, it will come up a bit later. Yeah. And then you also see that Poppy and her dad are both holding rice balls in the shape of an animal. And she says, you used to make these animal rice balls to cheer me up whenever I was down. And they did. And it's just like, you know, this cute rice ball. Even though I was complaining that they were too cheesy and dorky, I always was secretly looking forward to them. And you see like this wistful look on her face. And then you see her remembering the rice ball that she made for Tora. And, you know, Tora's face, like his shocked face when he saw it. And she wonders, did it cheer him up too? And she has a little smile on her face, you know, where she, I think she feels happy that she was able to, to touch him emotionally. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of like a twofer because like, you know, she was able to kind of like keep her dad's legacy alive a little bit, you know, by doing something that he would do for someone else. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And you know, that connection between her dad and Tora, you know, we know obviously like, you know, the, the moving significant relationship with a man is first their dad and then, you know, for heterosexual women, it becomes, you know, their, their partner. So, mm-hmm. you know, significant, like kind of like passing the torch between those two, those two male figures in her life. Yeah. And, you know, she's looking out, looking out at the window again. And, you know, she's remembering, hey, dad, look, there's a memory of her when she's a kid. They're sitting up in the tree. And she says, hey, dad, look, there's a white van driving along the road. And the dad says, well, you're right. Let's get down before they see us up here. And the puppy's like, why can't they see us? And I'm wondering the same thing. And he's like, well, most people don't know their way up the trees like locals do. But if they try to follow, they might injure themselves and they'll get in trouble. Puppy's like, there's a rope ladder. Like, ah, still. So I thought that this excuse was pretty flimsy. What do you think? I mean, it's fair on one hand but like at the same time yeah it does seem kind of flimsy you know it's fair because like even if there's a rope ladder like people can still do stupid stuff and fall out of the tree and hurt themselves you know gravely injure themselves but at the same time i mean i feel like your dad knows more than he's letting on yep yeah uh-huh. i i feel like he just like uh he doesn't want he'll do anything to keep poppy safe Yeah, but I think that he knows something about the white van that she doesn't know. That there's something suspicious about it. And right. Like, go ahead. Sorry. If you just see, if you just see like a van passing down by the way, you know, you don't automatically think, oh, they're gonna look up here and try and you know, you know, try and climb up here. So that's why I was like, mm, a little shady. Mm-hmm. And then she asks, you know, where do you think they're from, Dad? Nobody ever comes here. It's too quiet. And, it. and he says, well, remember that old hiking trail we found years ago? It's starting to get real popular now. And somebody in the comments said that, Eileen said, um, that maybe it's a place where they dump dead bodies. And maybe that's... That's what thing. I was thinking, too. Yeah? That's what I was thinking, too. Maybe I watch, like, too many, like, true crime shows. But, you know, I think it's quiet and deserted and, like, oh, somebody's dropping a body there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then we see, uh, he's like, oh, summer vacation, I'm guessing kids from college or from the city. And, oh, yeah, the tweet injury asked me all this. And then, you know, Poppy is sitting there. She's looking thoughtfully out at the van. And she says, the city. And she's, you know, what are the people from the city like? And you see, first of all, she's drinking strawberry juice. And, and then you see the van, you know, continuing down. And that's where it ends. 
So obviously there's a ton of speculation here. But this van is the same van that was in the picture with Ari Street Kings, where you know Tora and his buddies are hanging out. And there's also it looks like it. Yep. And in the background of that picture, you see Tora, teenage Tora, helping this girl out who looks a lot like Poppy. She's crying. And and he's helping her out. And there's a lot of speculation that Tora and Poppy met when they were younger. And that was where Tora acquired his love of strawberries and strawberry juice. Okay, so so for me, okay, this is going to sound weird. But okay, so I do believe like it's the same band. Yes. But I don't believe that Poppy is that girl in the picture. Because I feel like if it was her, like she would have like in the beginning, uh, the very, very first beginning, you know, where uh, she meets him. Like, I feel like she would have been like, why does he look kind of familiar? So maybe can... like my my biggest my biggest thing is that like what they're like six years apart is that right am I am I am I right their age gap they're I six years apart yeah five years so. five or five five years five years but so I have an eleven year old currently right now well somebody who's five years older than her is a sixteen year old and like how different is a sixteen year old from an eleven year old you know what I mean so that's why I was thinking like I mean maybe it wasn't like in a romantic way you know what I mean maybe she just left an impression on him like more in a platonic way. But, and that's definitely possible, but, like, I, I don't know. I feel like a 16-year-old could be kind of, like, discount an 11-year-old too much. You know what I mean? But then again, Tora has surprised us before. So I think that, I, I agree. I don't think it would have been a romantic connection. But I think it might have been the brush with innocence that would have had an impression on him. Because, you know, it's something that he never had, an innocent child. And, you know, being able to be, like, the helpful savior probably made him feel good. Rather than, you know, like, the tough thing. And I also, that's I definitely, that's a good point. I, I can sort of see, you know, between, so yeah, between like Poppy changing, uh, you know, as a kid, I can see her being different, you know, looking different as a, I would wonder like, why they don't recognize each other, but I can see from being an 11 year old, you know, or whatever, to growing up to be a 20 year old, I can see that being a change. And also Tora looks very different, you know, he has short hair and that, in that, you know, that picture is kind of purple there. So I can sort of see it. And also as a kid, I can see that the kid wouldn't remember him because, yeah, I don't remember. Well, also, it's been it's been a long time. Like, say Poppy was like 11 or 12. It could be like a good like it's, it's at least like eight years difference. You know, your your memory isn't going to be too strong. You know, I, I have a really good memory. I can still remember what people look like a long time ago. But most people aren't like that. People are always like weirded out that I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember exactly what you were wearing. And you're like, what is wrong with you? But um, you know, but um, most people, their memory isn't going to be that good. So she might have like, have like a basic outline of like what the guy looked like, or he might have like have a basic, you know, memory of what they look like, you know, like, oh, short brown, ha- brown hair, you know, light skin, you know, but she, they might not know details very well, you know, not, they might not remember details <laughs> that, that well. Right. Well, I know I'm very curious about this, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to, it's going to be explained later on. And I have to say something that I saw that was um, a very interesting comment. So, you know, we know that Poppy is sitting there um, crying in that picture and Tora is comforting her. Seemed like maybe she fell down or, you know, she hurt herself, fell down from the tree. But then um, Julia said that maybe she went to the tree after he died, you know, as something like a memory, you know, where she would keep coming back to the tree because that was where she spent time with her dad. And, and then I'm thinking maybe she was crying because of her dad. You know, maybe it was an emotional crying rather than I fell down and I cried. Maybe it was both. But, I mean, that's very, to think about the fact that maybe she went there because of her dad and to remember him. Oh, but then, you know, no, she doesn't seem 14 in that picture. She seems younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also you have to remember in Asian, in Asian countries that middle school is pretty different. I think that in middle school, like, I think is three years and high school is not as long either. So she might like, if she's in an Asian country, she might, even if she's only in middle school, she might be older than what we consider middle school, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think, I think, I think that you, in Korea, you go to, you go to um, high school until you're like 19 or so. Hmm. So it wouldn't, I mean, it, like, and I think high school is like three years. So it wouldn't be, too far off to say that she was 14 still in middle school there okay you know okay yeah well we'll probably find out but definitely this gives a lot of you know food for thought mm-hmm. so guys final thoughts on this episode as a whole it was a very emotional episode yeah. just very like like 
pretty heart-wrenching, you know, when you think about it, you know, like a, like a young girl losing her dad, you know, they, they always say that, you know, girls are for dads and like girls are always closer to the dads. And that's how, how it is in my household anyways. Like my, I have three girls and they absolutely like adore their dad. Their dad is like their hero. And to have lost your dad at such a young age, I think is really difficult, you know, not, not that it wouldn't be any less difficult if you're a boy, but like, you know, they only had each other and that this and really my heart really breaks for poppy after this episode yeah and we were, we were mentioning that a lot of people had commented on this episode you know people that had lost their dads or or their dads were sadly you know um, struggling with a with a, a deadly illness and they really really were hard hit by this and you know yeah. it, it really meant a lot to them What about you, Sarah? What are what are your final thoughts? Uh, emotional and touching, because uh, you know, like yeah, like really sad that we had to see uh, Poppy at a young age, like losing her dad. But at least she um, she's like remembers like all the happy moments, all the touching moments that she shared with her dad, like you know, like the rice balls sitting on top of a tree. <laughs> Right. Yeah. She's able to, to be positive. You know, she hasn't sunk down into a ball of grief and, you know, just shut down. She, she's taken that and moved with it to the future. Yeah. Well, this was great. This was, you know, the, this episode really gave us a lot of insight into Poppy and like her resilience and her strength and how she understands Torah and like kind of what the grief that connects the two of them. And thank you so much, Mirna and Sarah, for coming on. Thanks for for having me. Thanks. Okay. I'll catch you all later. Bye, Bye, Mindy. Bye. Bye.